Alrighty, yo, what's going on, y'all? The Notorious Sports Podcast with your co-host, Ant and Dame, is here. And this is going to be one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Uh, something I take a lot of pride in is uh, scouting, whether it be in football, basketball, hockey, baseball. And today, we're going to take a deep dive into something I really, really love. Anthony's going to run the show down for you. we got a lot to discuss. And uh, y'all just sit back, relax, whether you're listening to this on the way to school on the, way to, on the way to work, uh, we're going to do as best as we can to, you know, get your mind prepared for that, relax, and, uh, you know, chill before you got to go take care of business. All right, y'all, how's it going? For the Spotify listeners, Dame, Dame already said some of the news, but Bill O'Brien's officially out as the Texans' head coach and GM. Best news I've heard this season. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was officially benched, and I think that's all the news we had for the, written down for the week. Yep. Um, but just to run down the show, so the main thing we're going to be doing today is we're going to be doing essentially a draft board, not a mock draft. We're going to be talking about our best players in this draft. Uh, we did 15 or 14? 14. 14. So essentially the players we believe are lottery picks. Um, and then we're going to just talk about, like we said, Bill O'Brien is out, uh, UT lost. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And a little bit of NFL talk at the end, but I I kind of want to start with basketball if you, if you want to go straight into it. The big board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can start with your first tier, tier one. Okay. So as of right now, since this is our early, early, early big board, um, I only have two tier one athletes. Okay. Um, it, I I left room for growth because I think these two players are just so above and beyond everybody else in this draft that they deserve to be the first of my tier. So you just want me to do my first one? No, do do, do all your tier ones. Do my tier or ones. Both your tier ones. Yeah. Okay. So Lamella Ball and Anthony Edwards. Um, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, those seem to be the clear favorites in this draft for most people. Um, I feel like they are mo- both the most complete, ready players going into the NBA. Yes, Lamelo has some concerns on defense, but when you have a such a skilled offensive player like him coming into the league playing overseas as he did, um, I really don't believe that matters too too much. And then Anthony Edwards, I mean, everyone saw him at Georgia for the most part. Uh, just didn't seem like there wasn't much he couldn't do for that team. Um, not typically a school we think of when we th- talk about uh, college basketball, but I mean, he he was just fantastic. I, I think he has a he he's definitely NBA ready. Um, I could see him possibly starting at one of the teams he land he could land at, but those are my those are my tier two or tier one players. Already, um, two both of yours are going to be in my tier one. I have a uh, five tier one players. Uh, these are my top five players in this draft class, and I don't see it changing uh, whatsoever throughout this draft process. Uh, I've went ahead and done articles on two of these prospects um, for the Spurs, thinking that you know. You know, hopefully, you know, with if we got lucky enough and the basketball gods blessed us, uh, we could land one of them. It's obviously highly unlikely, but I would love to see them in silver and black come 2021. Uh, so my tier, my 1.1, my tier one number one overall player is LaMelo Ball. Uh, he's an elite passer with a plethora of finishes at the basket. Uh, a willing scorer, but looks to score and distribute equally, in my opinion. He's the perfect offensive blend for this modern NBA and he will be a franchise cornerstone uh, level player at the next level. 
Uh, I don't really have to do much analysis with LaMelo Ball because I think the only way you think he's not going to be good is if you just don't like him or LeVar. Uh, two, Killian Hayes. Uh, elite passer, and he'll be an elite pick-and-roll player. I think if he was a quote-unquote bust, which I think none of my top five players will be, uh, he'd still give you high-level production in pick-and-roll. Um, he's high, has high upside in the defensive department, uh, and he's the prototypical archetype for what you want in a modern-day point guard. He has solid length. He's six foot five. Has a nice handle. Can finish at the rim. Good in pick and roll. Can make the, a plethora of passes, uh, both the pocket pass and passes and driving kick. Uh, he's just a, he's a very good passer. He has excellent vision. Uh, I think at his bare minimum, he'll be a Ricky Rubio level player. And Ricky Rubio is fantastic in the modern NBA. Uh, He'll be a franchise-level player as well for me, although he's a bit left-hand dominant. Once he becomes ambidextrous, he'll be an even better player. Uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. As long as he gets some good coaching behind him and continues to improve, I love what I've seen from him. Uh, I know a lot of people have are a little iffy on his shot because he shot he didn't shoot too well from three um, overseas, but he shot, he shot 88% from the free throw line, which proves it's all about making it. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a make-or-miss league. But it's all about actually making the shot for him. It's not like his shot is 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 broken or anything like that. It's literally just about putting the orange thing in the orange thing. Um, three, James Wiseman. I know a lot of draft Twitter is very uh, is very on one side or the other with James Wiseman. Uh, but I think he, through, three, through three games, he's proven he can be dominant on both ends. Uh, he's a fluid athlete despite not being the best laterally. But he has immense upside uh, defensively. And he can clean the glass uh, with uh, with both boards and with blocks. He, he's he's a great defensive talent. Um, he has a nice little pull up, Jimmy. Uh, he he's really well, and for, in my opinion, offensively, he does really good work uh, from between zero and ten feet. And uh, he's although he doesn't have a, a a true back to the basket strong game. Uh, I think as long as he progresses as a jump shooter, that'll work better for the modern NBA. He's obviously a great finisher at the rim as well. So as long as he can give you some spacing. I think, I think that the, another he's another prospect where the sky's the limit with him. It's all about just improving and getting with good coaching. But I think he'll be a great player. Uh, he needs to work on his passing as well, his passing um, out of the post, out of the face of game, uh, and just honestly from mid range. Whenever he gets those touches in the mid post, he needs to work on his passing out of that. But I do like him as well. Uh, four Onyeka Okongwu, an elite role man, an elite uh, rim protector, elite rebounder, elite finisher. Um, he doesn't really quote unquote space the floor like you would want him to because he doesn't shoot the three ball uh, much or at all really. But I think he does have a a, a, a little mid range jump shot that is a little slept on. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, should he improve his offensive game and he's a, uh, actually has a jump shot and he can actually improve his shooting ability, uh, not only from three but you know from mid range, he can give you Joel Embiid like production without the worry game to game like Embiid gives you with you know his injuries or. You know him being "quote unquote" locked in. You know Congo can give you all of that, um, all of that production without any of those headaches. And then lastly, Anthony Edwards. Uh, the biggest concern with him is his ability to lock in defensively and his shot IQ. Um, just quick, I don't really care about shot IQ from 18, 19, 20 year old kids playing college basketball. Um, typically, you know, sometimes obviously shot IQ is really bad. Uh, you know, in the NBA for some players. But when these guys are relatively the best athlete on their team by far, they're going to take bad shots. I mean, those bad shots are better than other guys taking shots, to be honest. Um, but he can, he's he is what you would call a 2K, a three-level scorer. 
He can score at every level at a very high clip. He's an elite off-the-bounce player. I mean, this this kid is good. He can score like nobody's business. Um, I'm not big on per 40 numbers and stuff like that, but his per 40 numbers rival Bradley Beal. And I do see a lot of Bradley Beal in his game, especially out of the triple threat, off the rip-throughs, off of one dribble. His scoring ability matches a guy like Bradley Beal. And uh, that's my tier one through five, man. I'm my, or my tier one and my five players in those tier, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for these guys. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I'm not too mad at that. I guess I'll talk about the guys you mentioned. Um, or you can, yeah, you can do that and then roll into your tier two. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I was going to preface my tier two as I just put tier one and two, tier two because I felt for the top 14 as of right now for me, there's not too, too much that differentiates anybody in tier two to where I would drop into tier three quite yet as far as how deep we've gone into scouting them so far okay um like i said like we said this is the first time we're going to be doing this so i'm sure next one i'll have a tier three maybe another tier one uh but to start i have james wiseman as the first on my tier two um my biggest concern is a lot of reports i'm reading and whatnot um mention like potential and whatnot he has potential to grow in this area this area this area and obviously potential is a big thing um for 18 to 20 year old kids but if that's one of the biggest things we're seeing is he has potential because we didn't we saw him for what it was like three games at memphis um that's not enough for me to draft him over a guy we've seen play overseas and a guy lead a team like georgia um but it, it concerns me because there's been plenty of guys we've said, yeah, they have potential in the league to be this, and then they turn out to not. So that's why he was at Tier 2. And, I mean, his skill set is good, hopefully. Depending on where he lands, it'll look better or worse. But uh, I, I still like him a lot. And then who who are your other two? It was uh, Onyeka, Killing, on, yeah, yeah, Onyeka Okongu and Killing Hayes. Okay, so yeah, I actually had Onyeka Okongu right after um, James Wiseman. Uh, rim protector, strong. Not doesn't space the floor too too well, but if you get him on the right offense, right team, he can. He's definitely going to be a strong role player in this in his first season. Get a lot of minutes um, based on his skills, and then it was Killing Hayes. Right, uh, yeah. so I like Killian Hayes a lot as well. Um, his IQ um, from playing overseas for how many years? Two, yeah, I two years so. in France or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his IQ obviously is going to be higher than most people coming in the league. Um, I think that's true for him and Melo because they've seen they've seen other professionals, other older guys, and how they make decisions or whatnot. Um, so I like him a lot just for his IQ, um, his shot creation, and his athleticism. Uh, and then you want me to just keep yeah, going yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess I'll just read a couple more because I have only tier two. Oh, you don't I have a tier I, three? I don't have a tier three. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, you can go ahead and do all your tier two, and then I'll do my tier two and tier three. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. That. Um, Then uh, Denny Ad- Advija, <laughs> however, however you say his last name. Um. Uh, I have him here just because he's so versatile in his positioning. He has the potential to be a point forward with his skill set. Um, he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 
Um, he has good passing vision. Um, kind of what I've seen from him looks kind of like Luka, but I'm not saying he's going to be next Luka Doncic. Um, but yeah, versatile in positioning, point forward possibility. Two to f- can play one to four. Uh, then um, I'm gonna go to talk about Isaac Okuro because I like him a lot. Um, his ability to finish and his size um, are my favorite things about him. Then Obi Toppin, your favorite player. <laughs> uh, Obi Toppin, versatile defender and his potential offense because we saw a little bit of everything. Obviously his explosiveness. Um, he's willing to shoot the three, uh, which I think is good for him because he's 22. So already being a little bit older than some guys who are already in the league, who have seen the league, um, your ability to, I guess, diversify on the offensive end is going to help you a lot. Um, then Tyrese Halliburton, for the Horn listeners, we got to see a lot of him <laughs> again in Iowa State. Um I liked his court vision and the fact that of how efficient of a scorer he was. Um, obviously, in college, we see players be a little bit more efficient than they're most likely going to be in the NBA, I think, because he's they don't shoot, obviously, as much at as high volume. Uh, but he's he's good. I mean, we saw him give Texas 25, something oh, yeah. like that. Uh, can shoot. Um, the... I I will say his shot doesn't look comfortable, but it, go, I mean it's good, because it goes like, in. It, it goes in, but <laughs> uh, then uh, next is Devin Vassell from Florida State, uh, fluid and athletic. Um, the only thing with him is he was a good quote unquote shooter, but he only shot like two three threes a game, um, which as you translate into the NBA, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky um, is a great point guard for today's NBA. Um, shot creation um, for self and his teammates, so playmaking ability. Um, he'll be great for a team that just needs either that backup point guard or just that spark off the bench. One of the teams rebuilding or even a championship level team uh then aaron naismith from vanderbilt um his three and d potential uh he can be like a robert covington in the league from what i've seen from him which you know we've already seen robert covington be good for two teams um cole anthony another one of your favorite players he's in my top 14 um he's one of the players i can i could see understand why people switch him in and out of the top 14 people see him going 15 i see people see him him go 11 we just watched a youtuber who had him at 11 um but his playmaking and his offense um obviously his injury injuries are a concern we didn't get to see him full strength for the duration of the season but still from what we did see um he's good and like you mentioned his iq or his shot selection isn't always good, but when you're the by far the best player on your team, I don't you're gonna take bad shots. Uh because I mean, I'd rather take this fadeaway floater than let one of my teammates that 
isn't as good as me. She was <laughs> tall. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sadiq Bey is one of my top 14 players. Um, he is, he's one of the other players whose three-point shot doesn't look comfortable, but it goes in. Um, he's already a bigger guy, so his defense on smaller guards and forwards looks a little bit better. Um, and he, do, he does have good passing vision, um, but he's one of the players I'm more on the fence about based on I don't know if he's this good or if he's a product of, product of a good system like Villanova. And that should be all of my players. Nice. Yeah, that I was. Th- those are all the players in my tier two, as of right now. Well, we got, we got a major- Well, we got a majority of the same players. Uh, I got a couple different from you, but I'll start with my tier two. I have tier two and tier three. Uh, my tier two, two point one, um, is Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he's a do-it-all guard, and he'll be a great pick and roll player. Same thing with uh, like Killian Hayes. Uh, excellent passer, excellent on-ball defender, a very smart player. Uh, he's a little bit older. He's 20 years old, <clears throat> coming into the dra- or coming into the league. Uh, he'll be close. He'll be close to 21, but that extra year in college benefit him mightily. I mean, he needed it, and you can tell he just plays with more experience. Uh, he has a better better command of the offense, uh, running the offense, being the offensive initiator. Um, I do like what he brings. I do like his skill set, and uh, I've read some things that you know Atlanta might be interested pairing him with Trey Young. Uh, and I feel like that'd be great uh, running a, a two guard set with him and Trey. I think that'd be awesome. Um, next, two point two is Denny Denny Abdiha. Uh, athletic concerns are loud and clear, but he's another do it all player. Um, Denny Denny can shoot. Denny can defend when locked in. Denny can pass. He can finish at the rim. Um, he can rebound well. I mean, he's going to be a very solid starter in the NBA, um, and kind of he's a good gauge to see where the league's going to go. Uh, because I know a lot of time explosive explosiveness and athleticism is really, you know, center stage with a lot of these prospects that'll kind of make and make or break where people technically are typically land prospects and think, you know, where they're at. Uh, but Denny, he's not the greatest athlete, but he's such a good player, such a smart player. Uh, it'll, it'll, that over makes him overcome as athletic, um, uh, disadvantages, rather, you, you know, you could say. I mean, just to piggyback off that, I mean, looking where the league's going, Luca's not the most athletic guy either. Like, yeah. he's not, but he has the ability to decelerate on offense, which is so valuable, I think, now in today's NBA because mm. of how fast-paced the game is. Yeah. Because the defenders are thinking you're going to go 100 miles an hour, and then at the last second, you have the ability to stop, switch directions with that last step, and finish, which then he has a similar ability to do because he's not always going 100 miles an hour because he can't he's not the most athletic exactly yeah um 2.3 i have devin vassell another great defender we talked about you know people's shooting ability and their 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 overall ability to shoot the ball uh at an efficient clip on two attempts per game or three attempts a game uh, versus a guy like J.J. Redick who can make, you know, 43% of his shots on six attempts per game is entirely different. But that being said, I'll trust the tape, and I think Devin Vassell can shoot very well at the next level. Uh, he's a great defender. He can play He can play well off ball. The shot creation for me is a concern. Uh, I know he actually improved mightily um, from year one to year two in, in the shot creation department, as in creating, uh, making shots off the dribble. 
Uh, I believe he made only one his freshman year, then his sophomore year. He made, I believe, it was like 51 or 52, which is great. That's that's a that's a fantastic uh, improvement to show. But um, I think he needs to also become a better passer before I, I would ever you know think about putting him in a tier one level prospect. But overall, he does have the makeup of something where he'll be a solid three and D player, but he does have potential to be you know a, a core piece of a franchise. Um, 2.4, this is going to be very high for some, but I don't care. Um, I trust my eyes, and I have Kira Lewis Jr. Um, at 2.4 as a Tier 2 player. Uh, his game is very translatable, and I think that's a very underrated thing to look for is you see guys do what he does and attack the game the way he does and play the game like he does, and they do it at a great level. A guy that he really reminds me of, uh, especially in spots offensively as a passer, uh, and and the speed he plays with is a mix of both a guy like Darren Fox and a guy like Shai Gilgis Alexander, uh, two guys that are great in isolation. Go ahead and check those numbers, and um, he he's 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 I'm not gonna say he's gonna be one of those guys or a combination of both, but he shows play styles and 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 play types just like those two. Uh, he's a great passer. He's a very silky and crafty finisher. Uh, and he's a smooth jump shooter, very, very comfortable, very confident jump shooter. Uh, he's a willing shooter and scorer, but that's not all he's looking to do. He's primarily for me, whenever I watch him, he's looking to distribute. Uh, and that's out of the pick and roll. That's in drive and kick. Um, he's a very good player, and I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. Would it shock me if he's a top two point guard from this draft class, if he's somehow better than Killian Hayes? No, because I think he's going to be that good. Um he has a strong. He's a, he has a very strong handle, and uh, like I said, he ha- he just shown ability that he's shown the ability in his game. Seems like it just translates so well to, at the next level, and I can't ignore that. Um, I just I, I really like what I've seen from him, and then lastly, two point five is going to be Tyrese Maxey, uh, a great shot creator, a great athlete, a willing passer who I think can make the transition. Uh, v- he can make a transition from being good off the bounce to being becoming not only that, but being good also in pick and roll, being good as a pick and roll ball handler, both as a passer and as a scorer. Um, he's shown that he can get, he has solid passing instincts. Uh, he's a strong finisher at the rim. And I, I really like what I've seen from him as well. He's a, he's a, also a, an elite on ball defender uh, out of college. I love his defensive footwork and his overall makeup defensively. He's a good player, uh, just a solid two way player, you know, can create his own shot and then lock you up on the other end. Uh, and then lastly, my tier three, uh, 3.1 is going to be Isaac Okoro. Right now, he's a defensive leader. He has great defensive instincts, uh, but he has to improve his all-around offensive game. I'll agree he can finish at the rim well, uh, but his overall handles, his jump shot for me, and his and his ability to pass the ball, he's a reactive passer, which isn't bad, but he's so far away from being – he's very unpolished, but he's far away from just being like – an average polished offensive talent right now. He's very far from that. So that's why I have him in tier three. Some people might say that's too low uh, because a lot of people compare him to like a year one Kawhi kind of. But um, I just, I, I can't put that pressure on him. I know he probably doesn't care what I say, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make that comparison, you know? It's yeah. kind of unfair. And wasn't Kawhi, year one Kawhi, wasn't he like a 12-point scorer? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could see that from him, yeah. twelve point score. Um, but like you said, there's not much shot creation yeah. from him. So yeah. Uh, Three point two. I have Alexis po- uh, Pokasevsky. Uh, I recently wrote a piece on him. 
he's a very fluid offensive athlete and he can score off the bounce with ease. He has a very strong handle, uh, despite not being strong whatsoever because he's very, very skinny. Uh, but you look at typical, you know, overseas athletes like that, that are bigger athletes, you know, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas looks nothing to how he looks now. Uh, back then to now, he, he was, you know, a twig. So, I mean, with an, with an NBA diet and NBA NBA nutrition, NBA workouts, I'm I'm sure you can put some weight on. I'm, I don't think he's going to be, you know, Serge Ibaka by any means, but I think he'll definitely um, put some weight on. Uh, he rebounds very, very well, though. He knows how to use the size, size when cleaning the glass. So, I uh, I think he'll he'll be a very solid NBA player, not a not a star or superstar, but I think he can be a, a solid role player and a solid uh, foundational piece for a team. Three point three, I got my boy Cole Anthony, and I'll just group them together because I think they have a very similar skill set. Three point three, I got Cole Anthony, and three point four, I have Jameis Ramsey. Um, they're both offensive machines with excellent shot creating ability, arguably the best shot creators in this draft. Um, they're definitely among the best ones. They can score off the bounce in a in a plethora of ways, both inside the three point line, beyond the three point line, at the rim, just everything. They are great offensive scoring talents. Um, they both have issues, you know, with their passing, but I think a lot of that is is a bit skewed, uh, not in their favor because they played on teams that weren't very good. So I think they're both very, very, very good talents offensively, and. Um, in Jameis's case, the on-off numbers he had at Texas Tech were amazing. I mean, he, Texas Tech is, is like 13 points better, uh, points per game-wise, shooting-wise, everything, with Jameis on the floor. And, you know, I, that that number can't – you know, that's not a deceiving number. <laughs> He's He is that good. Uh, and I would love to see Cole Anthony play alongside of uh, – or, you know, get a year as a six-man, you know, starting out and then learn the position from a, a solid point guard. I keep talking about Ricky Rubio. I would love for every point guard coming out to come to talk to Ricky Rubio to learn the art of the point guard, the art of initiating an offense. And these guys all have better offensive upsides than he, than he does. So just imagine that. You know what I mean? But I think uh, I think they'll both be good. And that's those are our, that's our big board so far. You know, we'll add more and more to it with every time we we go. But uh, this was very fun, and I enjoyed this a lot. I love I love this stuff, man. Even though it's a crapshoot, you know what I mean? You don't know what you're always going to get. You don't know who, you know if you're going to be right. It's always fun to put the time in, bro. It's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I typically when I watch college basketball, because I do enjoy watching college basketball, I don't even think about writing any of this stuff I see down. But definitely going back and looking over the clips and looking for things like, oh, that translates really well in the, to the NBA is definitely fun. Fun times. Oh, yeah. And I'll just close it with this is, you know, I'm sure I'm going to be wrong on, you know, 50% of these. Um, you know, everyone's always wrong. But what I will say is that this is also going to help me learn and us learn as, you know, writers and river good reporters and recovering teams and, you know, we're on TV, all that stuff. Uh, because now you're going to learn, okay, I thought this translates well to the NBA. I thought this was important in the NBA. Okay, maybe it's not as important as I thought. And you can get better and better and better and come as close as you can to being surefire with the good takes on, <laughs> on NBA draft and NFL draft stuff, so. This was cool. I liked it. Yeah, um, it was good. What do you want to go into? Talk about Bill O'Brien because I did a lot of talking, and I want you to uh, spew your heart to the listeners. Man, I don't know how many of you guys follow me on Twitter. I know I'm not always the most active, but I, I said it all. That that was the best day of my life. It it, it was. I'd argue. I could argue that it was two seasons too late. Personally. Um, 
because, I mean, even just certain moves he's made in the past, I would have already not promoted him to GM. That was the first red flag to me uh, with this or organization was last summer or before the season, he was promoted instead of demoted. And that's when I knew we're going to have a lot of problems coming up because that, that gave him free range to do whatever he wanted. Um, and I saw it somewhere. Um, it was on Twitter. I'm going to try and pull it up. I forgot to put it aside, but it was like the combined list of what he gained and what he lost. Um, so I'm going to look it up real quick. But it it it's a tough situation for any GM to come into. Any good GM is not going to want to touch the Texans with a 100-foot pole. Like, they, there's no intelligent GM is going to want to come near this franchise because of, of how – of the state that we're in now. Because next season we're going to be $16 million over cap. Um, we have one of the highest payrolls this year. And – without that you have to now make moves to make this team better and fit the new coach that's going to come in um which i don't even know if they have an idea of who it should be um i think you and i do um i think we know exactly who it should be um but man it's going to be a tough couple of seasons in houston because there's going to be a lot of moves being made um there might be some players that have to be moved on from um i could see them uh i could see them moving off jj watt to get someone off the books because of how the defense is kind of constructed now um there's already other young guys on that uh, defensive line rather uh that don't take up the 20 million dollars a year or whatever it is 25 something like that uh so I could I could see him getting traded for some picks because we need to get first round picks now because it's looking like this is going to be one of those seasons that you know too well as well as a Redskins fan is just who are we drafting? But Washington football team. Yeah. Oh, Washington <laughs> football team. My bad. Sorry, Washington football. Team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's one of those seasons. Who are we drafting? But we don't have any first round draft picks and we don't have any second round draft picks. So there's the I, it's very likely I see one of our key players on that defensive front, or I guess front eight, yeah, um, gets moved. But it's just a lot, man. It, it was a lot to take in. It should have been done a long time ago. Y'all are in a very tough spot because um, Laramie Tunsil, like I said, I was telling you in the car that Laramie Tunsil, he is a solid offensive lineman. He's a solid offensive tackle. Uh but there are a couple guys I would have drafted that were taken that I would actually choose. Like I would choose them over Laramie Tunsil. Um, and I, with the money y'all are going to be paying him, the fact that y'all gave up two first-round picks for him and Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills is at best a, a, a mid-option, third wide receiver. Third option. And, um, I mean, even in the spread offense, it doesn't make sense because even when when, when you're running 11 – personnel and you got two wide outs you got a slot and a tight end um I, I i he's not even seeing the field you got will fuller on one side you got brandon cooks on the other 
And then y'all put Randall Cobb in the slot. So y'all, y'all gave up all this draft capital for essentially a player you're not going to use and a player who is a solid tackle, but he's not a game changer. He's not a difference maker at that position. Larry Tunzel is not among the elite, in my opinion, at left tackle. Um, and it, like I said, it was. I guess you could say it's a short-sighted move, because that'd be the correct term. They just look for uh, something to, to to lock them up now to be secure now. But I don't think they thought this through in the long term. You know what I mean? Because first-round picks in the NFL now, first and second-round picks, even third-round picks, are so valuable in the in the NFL. As because as you know, um. First round talents are great, obviously. Yeah. But you can, you can get first round talents in the second round and in the third round. We have a guy for Washington, Antonio Gibson. We drafted him the third round. Dude looks like a stud. He'll be, like he'll be a long time starter for the next five seven years in Washington. He looks that good. Terry McLaurin, our best player, arguably, third round pick. You know, so I think y'all gave up so much, and uh, it it's it's just tough, man. Like it's. It's tough to really to really sit here and like from Bob McNair, like I don't understand. Like you went through all this process and now look at you now. Y'all are in a horrible spot. I mean I, as long as coach Bienemy's on the way from Kansas City, that's I think that I that's uh, that's your saving grace, man. He'll figure out something to do. Um especially like I don't know, just something different. Um I think I mean we've already seen Deshaun be good in a iffy play calling offense because it was this week that it said Bill O'Brien's gonna be more involved in the offense play calling and then gone. Yeah. Like yeah. just shows you. Yeah. It, it, no I no idea. Yeah, because the uh, there's a guy that covers I believe his name is uh, something McLean. Um, He's for the Houston Chronicle, I think, yeah. something like that. And I literally added this Twitter account called Old Takes Exposed because he even said, expect Bill O'Brien to to call plays this week or something like that. And then literally hours later, fired. Yeah. So, but, yeah, man, Houston Houston Texans fans, I know it sucks right now, but uh, you got the virus out of your out of your uh, organization. And uh, good things will be, well, you know, stuff will turn around eventually. Yeah, we got – as long as you also have number four, that's all that matters. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we have our franchise quarterback. Now the owners got to make the right decisions to do what's best for him because he's what's best for this organization. Exactly. Um, I guess I'll close out the NFL talk because I still want to talk about UT. Yeah. I want to talk about – just real quick about Dwayne Haskins being benched. Uh, that is the team I cover. It's a team I've loved my entire life. And uh, I'm on board with with the, with whatever river, riverboat Ron is going with. Um, Dwayne Haskins. I'm not gonna say I know everything about football, but I know enough to know what my eyes are seeing. Uh, the mechanical issues he shows, and the issues, the flaws that he's shown throughout these four games, throughout these ten starts, are not issues that can be taken care of in a game, in a six-game stretch, in one off-season. This is a very long-term project. That frankly, this organization this coach this staff does not have time for uh, his mechanical issues are that bad not only that his inability to identify man in zone coverage is that that's something that takes years to confidently know you know what i mean that's not something that grows on you from 
a practice session or multiple film sessions. This is years of understanding and knowing defenses. Guys that cover the league, guys that break down film, they do this for years. You know what I mean? And even then, they'll be like, man, I don't know everything just yet. And I understand, you know, you're a quarterback, so you see it differently. But in the same token, in the same breath, it's not easy to do. And it's not easy to fix 18, 19 years of what your brain's been trained to do and completely uh, work it over and, and fix it. Similarly to fixing a broken jump shot in the NBA, that's even that's not something that gets fixed in one offseason. Although Lonzo Ball came in and he shot much better this, uh, you know, this last year, you saw in the bubble his mechanics were thrown out of the window because he hadn't been playing basketball competitively for months. And then they threw him back in the bubble in an in eight-game setting and said, hey, you got to just go back to what you're doing. And all the mechanics were thrown out of the window. He went back to what his brain ultimately knew. So I think this is a – although it's an unpopular decision, there's a chance to win the division right now. And uh, Ron wants to win, and so do I. So, um, I'd like to add on to this and say um, I, I kind of saw this coming to a certain extent when – I mean, Kyle Kyle Allen, that's the name, right? Yeah. Ky- Ky- Kyle Allen got traded up there. Anyways, I was like, there's no reason Ron Rivera is getting pulled in and is bringing his QB with him. Uh, it it it, it didn't surprise me. Um, and in that division, if you have a chance to win early, you got to take it. Um, and I'm not mad at that because this division has a combined three wins right now. And so that division still is anyone's to win. So if Kyle Allen's the, the best bet, it's it's the best to do for right now. Yep. Yep, I agree. What, any, anything else? As far as NFL? I mean, uh, I guess the for the Patriots, the Patriots fans, uh, Cam Newton's out for at least three weeks due to protocols, right? I think so. It's either two it's, or three it's weeks. It's two or three weeks. Um, and then I believe Jared Stidham is going to end up playing next game for him, um, as we saw what happened with Brian Hoyer. Um, and then Nick Chubb's on IR right now, too. Yep. Um, so pretty no- notable losses for both those teams. The Since the Browns have been more of a run-first team, losing the, your better running back. And then for the Patriots, I mean, for them, every, every game means something this year because – the new QB, um, they they need that. Um, we talk about Dallas. Yeah. Dallas can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah. At all. Uh, Dak Prescott, he's he's done well, but my only concern with that is, uh, as disrespectful as it might sound, I obviously y'all know I think highly of him. I think you know he's a top eleven quarterback in the NFL. But something weird to me is that he always looks elite and puts up crazy numbers in games where he's trailing by two or three possessions. Like, always. Like, his numbers are through the roof. But if you watch that Browns game, right, you saw the Browns game. Yeah, it was a three-point ball game, quote-unquote, with three minutes left, right? They kicked an onside kick that's a or a squib kick, whatever you want to call it. It was, it was, it, it was the weirdest-looking kick because it wasn't an onside, but it wasn't a squib at the same breath. They get the ball. They score instantly. The game's out of hand. The game was out of hand beforehand. Defenses continuously, they just run a soft shell. Dak puts up crazy numbers, crazy yards. But they're not in the game. 
They they didn't win, you know, they didn't come close to winning the game. It was a three-point ball game, but that's after they were trailing by three, four possessions. You know what I mean? So uh, the Browns were firmly in control of that game, similarly to what, uh, you know, Atlanta was until they blew it. And then Seattle, the same thing. Seattle was a closer game, closer ball game. They were, it was a little bit back and forth. Uh, but you never thought Dallas was in control of that game. And uh, I just think it's a weird combination. I don't – obviously the defense is bad and that needs to improve before they win any games. But for some reason, I feel like it's just very weird that Dak always looks great when trailing by a lot. And that's always how he, like, roars back is after mm-hmm. he's getting blown out of the water. I don't know. Just kind of weird. Just th- throwing thoughts out there. Yeah. Um, I guess since we're just talking about quarterbacks, um, I just want to kind of know what Aaron Rodgers said. Uh, I think it was an interview after the game. But he said, because someone was saying, like, after having an off year last year or whatever, how do you feel starting off like this? And Aaron Rodgers was like, kind of scoffed. He's like, off year. He's like, an off year for me is a career year for mo- most quarterbacks in this league. That's a fact. And th- just his confidence and how he's playing right now, um, I'm really excited to see where this Packers team is going to go, especially because he's already upset because they didn't draft who he needed. That's a fact. That's a fact. Aaron Rodgers speaking facts. Yeah. Well, I mean, when does he not? Exactly. He, he says stuff like that all the time. <laughs> uh, but we, we want to talk about UT real quick in the yeah. last couple minutes of this. Yeah, we'll just close it out with UT. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. We both born and raised in and around Austin. Both been UT fans since as long as we can remember. Uh, and this this UT team was honestly one I was more excited for this season. To be honest with you, uh, the secondary, the guys in in that secondary are special. Like every one of them has the potential to go to the NFL. Uh, Sam Ellinger has been the best quarterback since Colt McCoy. Uh, finally a coach that I can get on board with and Tom Herman and still somehow, some way, it just, with this weird season, I thought UT had the potential to make the playoffs this year, to be honest with you. Um, and every game counts, and I don't see how they can bounce back from this and turn the season around and getting into the playoffs uh, based on how competitive it is going to be playing the rest of the Big 12 this year and Obviously, now the SEC is playing all SEC, so we're going to see how strong those teams are, as well as, obviously, I don't, I don't think any of us see Clemson losing a game, so that's a lot, and then one or two teams from the SEC. And to be honest, if, we're, if we want to make it, I think we have to win out. Another year, Tom Herman doesn't get this team ready game to game. You don't know what team you're getting, and they fail miserably. They should have lost to Texas Tech, but that was the football gods blessing them because I believe they were down by 15 or 13 with with uh, under five minutes left to play, came back and won. TCU blew them out of the water. I understand it was that's not what the score would directly correlate to, but if you watch that game, TCU was in firm control of that game throughout all four quarters. And here we are again. I, I, I don't know what's going to change to where this program finally, you know, puts the defense first. They actually have a solid defense that they can, you know, rely on. They, I, I don't know. I feel like this, this, this team. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
you know, you got guys like Keontae Ingram. Man, he just can't he just can't help himself sometimes. I mean, last year with LSU, dropping wide open touchdowns on the goal line. This year he tries to outstretch his arm when he's when he's stonewalled, fumble, loses it on the goal line. On first and goal. Like like for what? For what? Like what is your what are the what are these coaches telling these guys? Get your guys fired up, get your guys locked in. And and we have don't we have OU this weekend? Isn't O isn't OU, yeah. OU's this weekend. Yes, sir. Oh, that's gonna be a game. Because I'm you you heard it here first. Have Texas lose to OU and I guarantee Herman's out of here by the end of the year. Have Texas lose to an O and two OU team and I'll guarantee you he's out. Yeah. I I I'll, I will put something on that. Right now, because as a matter of fact, I'm I'm looking at it right now. The ESPN puts us at a 67% chance to win, and we are two and a half point favorites. Oh, I'm sorry, we're two and a half point, we're two and a half point underdogs. Yet we're the ranked team, and they're not. They're OU's one and two. My fault. My apologies. They're one and two. We're two and one. They've lost to two terrible football teams. We should have probably lost to Texas Tech. Well, we should have. We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out exactly what this team's made of on Saturday at 11 a.m. I personally thought going into this year that this was the year that UT should have dominated the Big Twelve. Like, I agree, hand, hands down. Looking at this team, uh, and especially the secondary in the Big Twelve, it's such a high power based on high powered offenses. This secondary should take control of this conference easily. Uh, but I mean, as we've seen in the first three weeks of the season, it's not happening. We're gonna see. Let's see what these boys are made out of. That's all we got, folks. This is the Notorious Sports Podcast. Glad you liked this episode. What was it, episode 22? 23. 23? Yes, sir. E- episode LeBron James. I don't know who that bald gambler is, all right? Who else wears number 23? Exactly. Facts. Dion Waiters when he was in OKC? <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and follow me on Twitter at D.A. Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. Follow the Twitter at Ant and Dame. That's at A-N-T-A-N-D-D-A-M-E. Go ahead and show my article some love. Show the pod some love. And thank you all very, very, very much for listening. All right, y'all. Dame couldn't have said it better. Just follow me on Twitter at Anthony F. Joseph Zero. And I guess next week we'll be talking about the finals. If it ends how we think it's going to end. Later, y'all.